the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Thank you so much for joining us. If you are new to the show, wanted to tell you right off the bat about the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. If you want a second opinion on your portfolio, just schedule a 15-minute call with Josh and you'll get a $25 gift card to support our local community. All you have to do is call 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. It is one per household, and this is really the most effective for portfolios of $250,000 and up. So let's start off the show, Josh, talking about annuities and the importance of having them in your retirement plan. Yeah, I think annuities add a tremendous amount of stability. And just simply put, annuities are the only product that is available in the tool chest of every financial planner on the planet that will provide guaranteed lifetime income. So when you think about stability in retirement, you think about a lot of the challenges that you're faced uh, with low interest rates and volatility in the market and um, you know longevity being a huge concern. There is only one product on the planet that can eliminate all market volatility, provide a lifetime income, with inflation adjustments and eliminate that longevity risk, and that's an annuity. That said, there's a lot of different types of annuities, and the annuity that I just described is only one of them, and that's an immediate annuity or a living benefit being derived from an annuity. When in reality, most annuities work very similar to CDs in that they have durations. They're called deferred annuities. You invest your money in the annuity, you have it for a period of time, and then you decide how you want to utilize that income. And the way that that interest is credited in that CD type chassis can be linked to the market. It can be linked to fixed interest rates and be linked to a lot of other things. So when I'm speaking about adding stability to a portfolio, I'm speaking specifically of fixed and fixed indexed annuities. And when I'm talking about adding lifetime income, I'm talking about living benefit riders being attached to those or income for life riders being attached to those or annuitizing. And I think that time will prove in the arena right now where we are with low interest rates, bond market being where it is, market volatility being where it is, 
that annuities will add an element of stability to people's portfolios that they need, that they want, that they don't have. It's that other leg of the stool, Diane, that I think everybody's yearning for. We have social security, maybe a pension if we're lucky, but probably not. Only 7.5% of companies uh, have pensions today. So the other 92, 93% of us out there are, are left to fend and create our own pension. Um, and then you have you know, your 401k, perhaps. So most people just have social security, a 401k, maybe a little bit outside savings. An annuity is a way to add that third leg of the stool back in by creating your own pension account, creating your own guaranteed income for the rest of your life. So I think annuities are, while they've been incredibly critical up to this point, we used to call them pensions. Now it's time for you to use some of your money to build your own pension. Is it right for everybody? Of course not. Is it right for a lot of people? Absolutely. What age range, or would you say that people should start investing in an annuity? It depends on your situation, obviously. But I would say by the time you start reaching that 10-yard line, 20-yard line of retirement, and by that I mean I want to retire at 65, I'm 55. That's the time when you want to start pulling back the reins a little bit on volatility, but also considering how am I going to derive my income? I'm now, I know I'm 10 years away in this 40 year uh, glide path, you know, I started working when I was 20, 25. Now I'm 60, uh, 55 and I'm going to retire when I'm 60, 65. I need to start figuring out how I'm going to transition my growth portfolio into my income generator. And there's a huge difference between those two phases of your life. So I would say Diane round, you know, definitely by five years out, I would start looking closer to 10 years out. And then there's some other scenarios I think we've talked about before, Diane, that I actually own uh, one of these types of annuity products, actually two different types of annuities, and I'm, you know, only 42. So uh, it depends on your situation, your risk tolerance, et cetera, but you want to start looking at them very closely and incorporating them into what you're doing in that five to 10 years out. Now, did you purchase them because of the volatility with the stock market and it adds stability to your own portfolio? Uh, I did it for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I wanted to add some stability, exactly what you said. I wanted a, p- a piece of my money that I did not have to worry about volatility with. Um, and I know that most people would say, well, you know, you're too young for that or you know, too young, sure. But when you do the math on some of the living benefit riders or those guaranteed income generators, I did the math and I was going to have to earn somewhere uh, between 8 and 10% per year to equate to the level of income that I was going to be able to derive when I turned 65. And I don't want to dive too deep in the weeds on, on exactly all the numerical calculations on why that works, but know that if you're willing to say, I am going to use this piece of money for income generation, that there is a very strong argument, there is a very strong math calculation on a pot of money that you can set aside and say, you know, market volatility uh, be damned, I'm done with it. I'm not playing with, the, with that with this part of money. And I want to make sure that I can predictably determine how much money I'm going to have as a pension stream when I retire. So then I have my social security, I have my predictable pension stream, and then I have my market assets. So it's all I did was create an environment where I am now one of that 7.5% that has a pension. I just built my own. And the people that were telling you you're too young because they feel that it's more advantageous to leave your money in the market, that you would get more gains. Is that why they were critical of you purchasing? Yeah. And I don't want to say that people are, you know, storming over the hill telling me I'm being foolish. But I think that in general, the rule of thumb in the financial world is when you're young, you should take tons of risk. And as you get older, you should take less and less risk. And conceptually and in general, that makes a lot of sense. 
However, times have changed from that dialogue in that 20 years ago, you know, around 90% of people had pensions. And now fast forward to today, and only less than 10% of people have pensions. So does that mean that we still keep on doing the same things with our investments like we have pensions? I say no. I say that I want a pension. When I was a kid, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Diane, everybody would say, oh, that person works for a good company. They have a great pension. And now nobody has a pension, and yet nobody seems to care, nor are they adjusting their investment and retirement behavior. So all I did, Diane, was just add that element back in that everybody was so comfortable and so happy with before. I just built it back in myself. If you would like a second opinion on your portfolio, you'd like Josh to check it over, see how you're doing, you can take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. Just schedule a 15-minute call with Josh, and you'll get a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number is 614-364-7300, 614-7300, and the website is aptuswealth.com. You're listening to the Aptus Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Let's talk about financial legacy, Josh. Should people be focusing on that or with the turmoil of the market, should they just be looking after themselves? Well, first, let's define what financial legacy is. For those of you who don't know, financial legacy just simply means what I leave behind. And the concept behind financial legacy is I'm going to leave the generation after me in a better financial position than where I was when I was their age. And the concept is, um, you know, how great would it be if the first time you went to buy a house, uh, you had some money set aside that was given to you to be able to put down the perfect down payment on a house, et cetera. Now, there's two schools of thought that I encounter a lot on that, Diane, and that is, uh, and let me reverse back. We were talking about 20 years ago, uh, just in the last segment there, and how you know the general uh, rule of thought 20 years ago was X. Well, when it came to financial legacy, 20 years ago when I started in this business, everybody talked about financial legacy. Everybody wanted to leave a legacy to their kids. One of the predominant conversations, particularly of insurance companies, was, you know, how do you want to leave that legacy to your kids and the taxation on that legacy and and building this huge uh, war chest of legacy for generation after generation and generation skipping uh, trusts, etc. And now it seems, Diane, that everybody I talk to says almost the same thing. They say, I left my kids far better off than I was when they left the house. I paid for their college education. I, I gave them the best leg forward I possibly could. And now this money's for me. And I'm going to live my retirement years as best as I possibly can. If there's money left over, which no financial plan is going to determine exactly the perfect day that I'm going to pass away. So clearly there's going to be left money left over and I want to leave that to my kids, but that is not on the forefront of my financial planning. Now, regardless of what your opinion is, you know, you need to plan for it. And one of the things we talked about just a couple of minutes ago, Diane, was why did I set up this annuity pension stream? And that does not mean that I don't believe in money invested in the market, et cetera. I certainly have that as well. And I think everybody should for the, for the most part. But one thing that you need to have a, a, you almost need to make a decision on is what is more important to me in order of different goals. So my income while I'm alive being stable, guaranteed, and me not outliving my income, is that your number one priority? Or is that number two and number one is leaving a legacy? Or where do all these different criterias uh, land for you? And that's one of the, you know, day one when you come into our office, we talk about what are your goals? And sometimes people go, I, I don't really know. So it's our job to kind of hone those in. But we're going to prioritize what are your goals. Once we know that, that determines the mix 
of your portfolio, the mix of your financial products, your financial plan. Because one downside, I'll tell you, Diane, to, to the annuity concept that we talked about before, is I'm almost certainly, uh, while I'm from an income perspective, achieving a much more predictable income for the remainder of my life and making sure that I'm not going to outlive my money for sure, I am theoretically and realistically uh, going to lower the amount that I leave to my beneficiaries and my kids. Now, that break-even point doesn't occur until long in the future, until well into my 80s, but it does in fact occur. So if your goal, your predominant goal is to leave money to your family, well, then that points us down a different path, but that also means you're probably going to have to live on less money to achieve that goal. So just food for thought um, on, you know, how important is financial legacy for you? Uh, obviously, if you have a, a, a child or a beneficiary that you want to leave money to that maybe has special needs or they're going to require help for the remainder of their life, which I encounter all the time, different conversation. Uh, but if, you're, if your goal is just I want to make sure I leave money to my, my kids for X reason, we can do that. If your goal is I want to make sure that I, I can live on income for the rest of my life predictably and never outlive my money, well, then maybe that legacy goes into goal number two, three, or four. And we just need to know that in the planning process. If you want to take the Aptis Blueprint Challenge, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. And learn how the Aptis Blueprint helps reduce market risk and protect income. Josh will give you a $25 gift card to help support our local community. This is one per household, and it's most effective for households with portfolios of $250,000 and up. When we come back, the coronavirus and how it is ruining people's retirement plans. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, I've read a lot and heard several stories about COVID ruining people's retirement plans. How can we avoid something like that happening? You know, number one, I read a stat recently, and I don't know that I place a lot of credibility in all the stats I read, but I tend to say this has some validity. And and that was they did this retirement study uh, or on people that were getting close to retirement, and about a quarter of them said that they were going to postpone their retirement due to coronavirus, or, or I guess more specifically, due to the economic conditions that the coronavirus has caused. And, and obviously, Diane, a lot of people have been laid off. A lot of people have been forced into unemployment or earlier than re- expected retirements. And will that affect their retirement? Of course. Uh, but let's talk specifically of, I'm not retired yet. I have a job. Nothing has really changed other than maybe the forecast for my job in the future uh, will entail 
lower raises could entail a little bit more uh, unpredictability as to whether or not is there another round of cuts coming, et cetera. How does that affect my retirement? Well, it shouldn't, quite frankly. If you've done your planning correctly, these types of market gyrations and volatility are absolutely while they don't feel normal at the time when they're happening and they're not predictable, they do occur over and over again. Your portfolio should be able to weather, if you're, you know, these happen about every six to eight years, Diane. So if you're planning on a 25 or 30 year retirement, your portfolio should, you should plan on weathering another three, four, five of these uh, throughout your retirement years, if, particularly if you're only five years out from retirement. There's a very good chance that you could be, let's say you're seven years out from retirement. Well, you might run into another one of these things before you retire. So if this one scares you, you better start doing some planning now to make sure that the next one doesn't scare you even more because you're getting closer and closer to the end zone. So the, the, the takeaway, I think, from Corona is if I didn't plan, it dropped dramatically. It came back almost as dramatically as it dropped. And now the market has given you an opportunity to make changes. And if you're not making those changes based upon the feelings that you just had during this drop and rise again, then I think, quite frankly, you're being pretty darn foolish. Um, you were given an opportunity to make adjustments. And if you got caught with your pants down, you need to make adjustments now. And what would those adjustments be? Well, let's go back to what we were talking about just earlier. We know that we're going to have a predictable income in the way of Social Security. Now, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like because Social Security is, in fact, due to run out of money. So... How are the political powers going to handle that? We don't know, but there will, in fact, be some sort of predictable income there. Do we set up some sort of uh, annuity contract or some sort of deferred income stream that will be predictable and will provide us, provide us an income stream for the rest of our life, regardless of market conditions? And then how do we manage our portfolio to minimize the impact of these types of gyrations and market volatility? And there's two ways you can do that. You can invest tactically or buy and hold. Tactical investing will absolutely smooth out some of those bumps. So a very long-winded answer, Diane, to a, to a very easy question, and that is I don't think it should. I, I think that you should have been doing these things a long time ago, and if you weren't, now's the time to start doing them. Um, I think the real takeaway and what I've seen with, and this is not a financial response, Diane, but the real takeaway that I've seen off of COVID-19 is uh, people don't seem as happy. And uh, I think, you know, if you're that close to retirement or in retirement, when it comes to your finances, pay attention to your financial professional, pay attention to my office, pay attention to what we're telling you and quit paying attention to the television so much because half the time what you're hearing has no bearing on your portfolio at all. But almost weekly, I have, well, definitely weekly, I have conversations with people and they come in and it goes something like this. Tell me how bad it is. Do we have to make adjustments? And the answer, Diane, is no, they don't. But they hear everything on the television and everything on the Internet and everything on social media telling them how bad everything is that they just assume that they got caught in that jet wash as well. And you, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Proper planning should help you avoid a lot of that. And you've already planned with your clients to prepare for something like this and prepare for things in the future. For those listeners that uh, are curious about how their portfolios are doing, we invite you to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. Schedule a 15-minute call with Josh so you can get a second opinion. See how you're doing. Josh will give you a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number is 614-364-7300. 
The website is aptuswealth.com. That's spelled A-P-T-U-S, wealth.com. And this is really effective with portfolios of $250,000 and up. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Let's talk about retirement in a recession and how that should be handled. I'm sure similar to how you prepared your clients for uh, disasters or bumps in the road like COVID. Yeah, I think, you know, you go back to the same stuff, uh, multiple sources of income, make sure you have that three-legged stool approach so all your income isn't derived based upon one asset class or one investment or one product. Um, But let's use this as an opportunity to talk a little bit more about tactical management and what the concept of tactical management is versus the buy and hold philosophy, because I think there's a lot of uh, misconceptions out there on on what that is. Um, Mutual funds are essentially diversifying uh, amongst a bunch of different stocks. So if we go way back, people used to buy individual stocks. I'm going to buy Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, et cetera. And I'm going to try and pick the best stocks um, out of the whole universe of stocks that there are. And then people realized, well, if I only buy five stocks and one of them goes out of business, I just lost 20% of my money. So let's diversify. That was the big catchphrase. Let's diversify everything. That'll add a little bit more stability, a little bit more safety to our portfolio. In comes mutual funds. And mutual funds then started specializing, where they would say, uh, we're the mutual fund of the large company arena. We only buy large companies or large cap companies is what we, we call them. And then they diversified even further. Well, not only would you just buy large cap companies, but we buy only large cap value companies versus growth companies. And while that added a tremendous amount of diversification in the way of if a company goes out of business, we don't lose all our money. It then pushed back on the consumer or back on the, re- the the person planning for retirement, which mutual funds are best for me, and then what mix of mutual funds are best. And by that, I mean, which ones are best? Well, is uh, Vanguard or American Funds large cap value better? I, I guess I need to choose. But then how much should I have in a large cap value at all? And how much should I have in large cap growth? And the onus of that was pushed back on you. So then they came out with what we call lifestyle funds, or uh, you'll call them target date funds. And the concept behind those was just tell us when you plan on retiring, and we'll adjust that asset mix as time goes on. But at the end of the day, the only adjustment that's really occurring there is more money is going from stocks to bonds as you get older. Now, the problem with that is as we enter into these incredibly low interest rates, bonds and interest rates are inversely proportional. So if interest rates, if you think they're going to go up over the next 10 years, that's not going to favor very well for bonds. And over the next 10 years, as you get older, your target date funds are automatically going to start allocating more and more money to an asset class that should not do very well for you. So the concept, that is the buy and hold philosophy of just following the herd and what everybody's been doing. Tactical investing is a little bit different. What you're essentially saying in tactical investing is I'm going to pass that. I'm going to pass the onus of picking what I should be in when onto somebody else. Uh, There's obviously people that are better than me at this out in the market. You're you're acknowledging that, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm a doctor. I'm not an asset allocation professional. I'm going to pass that on to somebody else and allow them to pick where I should be when. And that's going to change over time. And COVID showed that so clearly. Imagine if in February you started shifting money from stocks to gold, from stocks to bonds. 
how much that would have limited your volatility through COVID. And tactical managers try and do just that. And essentially, they did a very effective job of that for us throughout COVID-19. So what you're trying to do with tactical investing is not necessarily beat the market over a long market cycle, but you're trying to achieve market results with much reduced volatility. So as you get closer and closer to retirement, Diane, I think one thing that you definitely need to look at is how am I managing my money? How am I limiting volatility? Not just by buying something like an annuity and adding you know, some sort of risk parameters there and lifetime income and all the benefits that come along with that, but how am I limiting the volatility on my stock market investments? And who is managing those? Am I winging it? Or am I employing somebody that has a time-tested, mathematical, non-emotional algorithm that is set and forget from my perspective, but they are constantly managing the risk levels inside of my portfolio with the pure purpose of limiting the volatility so that I don't rip all my hair out when things like COVID-19 happen. So I don't start reevaluating, am I going to be able to retire next year or not? Because the volatility is, you know, it's making my portfolio swing up and down by two, $300,000 every few weeks. That's not a predictable plan that you can count on. You need to be able to limit that more. And a good financial planner, I mean, this is no surprise, a recession. The market has historically been cyclical, but it seems when we're in a recession or near a recession, people are shocked we're in it. This is something when you're planning and your financial advisor should be planning with you for these hiccups. It happens every time. It's nothing new, and and I don't fault anybody for it. It's a very emotional thing to occur when you watch 30%, 35% of your portfolio go away in a matter of a few weeks, which is exactly what did what happened uh, to the S&P during COVID-19 in March. That's exactly what happened. So when you're in the midst of it, it feels like it can never end. It's like the flu, right? You get the flu, you, everybody's had the flu, but you get the flu and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die. This is never going to go away. When we know that the flu usually lasts just a few days, but it doesn't feel like it when you're in the middle of it. Same thing happens with uh, these downturns and you need a financial professional to help guide you down the right path when that occurs. Walk us through, for listeners who aren't, aren't your clients, your Aptis Retirement Blueprint process. Sure. Similar to what we were just talking about with tactical investing, you need a, tr- uh, a tried and true, trusted um, method or, or logic uh, in a process. So our process is a four-step process. Uh, meeting number one, we just get to know you. We want to know what your goals are. There are not anybody else's goals. They're yours. And we want to know what you've done up to this point to try and achieve those goals. What are your savings rates? What pot of money do you have in what asset classes currently to achieve those goals? And the meeting number two, we're going to analyze everything that you told us in meeting number one. And we're going to see if you keep on the same glide path that you're on, the same trajectory, are you going to hit the target? And what are some uh, roadblocks or speed bumps or landmines that could get in the way for you? And then once we analyze those by meeting three, We're going to get a little bit more information from you in meeting two. What do you like about what we're talking about? What don't you like? What other things have come up? But by meeting three, we can lay out the blueprint. And the blueprint will tell you this is exactly the changes that you can make to bulletproof your retirement uh, portfolio, to bulletproof your plan, to make sure that you don't run out of money, to make sure that these types of hiccups aren't going to affect you in the long run. And then meeting four is what we call implementation phase. This is where we decide are we a good fit for one another and we do we want to move forward. But meeting one through three is just analysis, figuring out where you want to be and how we need to get there. 
The number to call is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. I'm Diane Brennan, and this is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. When we come back, do you invest or pay off debt? We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. We invite you to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. Schedule a 15-minute call with Josh to get a second opinion on your portfolio. Josh will give you a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. It is spelled A-P-T-U-S, Wealth. Com. And this is effective with portfolios of $250,000 and up. There is a limit to one per household. Josh, if we have debt, should we be investing for retirement? Do we pay the de- debt off first? Do we do a little bit of both? What, what do you suggest? Well, as always, the answer depends. But first, let's get some guidelines out of the way. Nobody likes debt. And I'm not saying debt is a good thing. But there are certainly, uh, there are certainly better debts than others. And you know, one that you should always pay off is credit card debt. So that's an unsecured, incredibly high interest rate debt. And I'm sure from the time we were, we were much younger, we heard about the concept of good debt versus bad debt. Credit card debt is not good debt. And by credit card debt, I mean debt that you're carrying for a long period of time. So if you're one of the millions of Americans that use your credit card just like I do every single month and pay it off every single month, that's not what I'm speaking of. I'm speaking of I've had this $10,000 credit card balance for the last six months. That needs to be paid off as soon as possible. That being said, you also need to be honest with yourself. And what I mean by that is, are you the type of person that if you pay off your $10,000 credit card debt, you're going to rack the darn thing right back up again? And I'm not faulting you for that. Everybody's different. But certain people, I I swear to you, Diane, I can have clients that come in here and put $10,000 in a credit card. We'll pay it off, and it's racked right back up in, in three weeks. If you're that person, as financially silly as it sounds to pay that kind of interest rate, it may be cheaper to keep the darn thing. I mean, I know that doesn't sound like sound financial advice, but know who you are and, and, and understand that. So if that's the case for you, you should at minimum be doing both. You should be paying off your debt and saving towards retirement. But the one that I get a lot, uh, so let's cover that first, actually. You should be doing both, Diane. You should definitely pay off your debt, but also save for retirement if you're younger. You should pay off bad debts, keep good debts, keep your house payment. Interest rates are at all-time lows. There's no sense in paying off a 3% home mortgage when you can save and in the long run earn double or more as an interest rate uh, on your investments. But the one that I encounter most often, Diane, is you know, we have $40,000 remaining, $50,000, $60,000 remaining on our mortgage. We're going to retire in two years. Do we fund that money towards our 401k, our investments, et cetera, or should we pay that off? And that answer is a little bit more complicated question. And the reason for it is it depends on what money you're going to use to pay off the mortgage. So, for example, let's say we're retired. We're 65 years old. We have a $40,000 mortgage, and we have a million-dollar IRA. We could clearly pay off our mortgage. Does it make sense for us to pay off the mortgage? 
Well, one, what's your tax rate? Because if your tax rate is 22%, do you want to pay 22% of the amount of money that you're going to pull out to pay off the $40,000 mortgage when even at your current pay and payment rate, maybe you're going to pay it off in three or four years and you're only paying 12% taxes on it? Well, I, I don't know. We're going to have to do the math. But you certainly don't want to pay 22 to save three. So that doesn't make sense. But for a lot of people, let's say you only have $30,000 remaining on your mortgage, but it was a very large mortgage when you started it, and your payment is $2,000, $3,000 a month. Well, then maybe we're freeing up a tremendous amount of cash flow and lowering our overall taxes over the next five or six years by paying it off. So I don't want to complicate things, Diane, by throwing in all these kind of sidewinders on should you pay off debt, should you invest, but it's just a mathematical question. Um, I want you to pay off your debt as quick as possible. I want you to have that feeling of freedom when I've never met anybody, Diane, that's paid off their house, their student loans, et cetera, that said it was a really stupid idea. Everybody feels amazing about it after they do it, myself included. I, re I still remember the day I paid off all my student loans. It's been quite a while now, but th that was such a tremendous feeling. Paying off your mortgage would be uh, arguably as good, if not better. So I get it. I want you to have that feeling, but I don't want you to have that feeling and have the ability to say, I'm debt-free, I don't have any debt, at the cost of lowering your overall portfolio and how much you can pass to your kids, how much you can live on while you're alive, stability, et cetera. So we need to do some mathematical calculations on it. Everyone's different. Everybody's different. And it can be dramatically different. So I don't want to give too many broad brushstroke guidelines on what to do. Um, the only one that I can give almost invariably is if you're currently working and your mortgage is absolutely affordable um, and you have a 3% interest rate on a 30-year fixed, don't pay your house off. If you're retired, different conversation. But while you're working, almost invariably I can say that's a logical piece of debt to carry. Credit cards almost always make sense to pay off. And by almost always, I mean 99.5% of the time. So absolutely pay those off. When it reaches the retirement years, though, now we're talking about being able to control our tax situation a little bit more. We're talking about a more predictable time frame of when we need to pay things off. It's just not that easy of a question, Diane. We need, to, we need to analyze that a little bit closer, and it's all part of our analysis phase. So we're obviously going to answer that question for everybody when they come in. So I'm not dodging the question. Just want to make sure that I give every single listener that's out there today not a general guideline that they go and act upon, but... Let's do the analysis and figure out the exact answer for you. I promise I'll give it to you. And the number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. You can take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. Let Josh give a second opinion on how your portfolio is doing. Schedule a 15-minute call with Josh, and he will give you a $25 gift card to support our local community. The website is aptuswealth.com. And this is really effective with portfolios of $250,000 and up. Here's a question that uh, I saw. Is it possible to save too much for retirement? I mean, I would think no. Well, I mean, it's a good problem to have, right? Uh, but I would say absolutely. And let's talk about the detriment of it. I think there are two general types of people in the world when it comes to finances and retirement planning. Um, and obviously there's people in the middle, but if I go to the pendulum kind of opposite sides, uh, one is somebody who's dramatically undersaves and has to be almost dragged kicking and screaming to save. But then there actually is another category and that is oversavers. And it, it's not even necessarily how much they save. It's the general belief 
that I cannot possibly save enough and I'll never be safe. And full disclosure, Diane, I kind of fell into that category that uh, no matter how much I saved, it was never going to be enough. I needed to add to my safety, my stability, my future. The downside of that is you have this guilt in everything that you purchase. So I'm kind of going back. Can you overfund retirement? Of course. But what does that do to your life while you're doing it? Drives your wife crazy, and, number one. <laughs> actually, my <laughs> wife's even worse than me. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but yes, in general, it probably does. But it, it's a terrible thing. Let's say you're, you're, you're working your butt off. You're doing a great job. You're making a good living. And you want to go buy that X, whatever that is. Uh, I don't know, a fancy car. And you feel awful and guilty by going and doing it. So you worked your butt off to, to climb the corporate ladder or whatever your career entails to reward yourself. And in rewarding yourself, you feel awful about it. And the reason you feel awful about it, in my opinion, is because you have no idea how much money you actually need to be saving to achieve your goals. And I know this is going to sound really silly, but I fell into this category. For 20 years, I've done nothing but planning. And I never really did an all-encompassing financial plan for myself. I just said, I'm just going to save, 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 and it'll all work out. Well, it's like, it's like I, the plumber. He looks after everyone else's place except his own, right? Right. Yeah. The housekeeper with a dirty house. Yeah. Totally agree. But what I did was I said, this is no way to live. And I find that there's a, a significant category of the population that, feel, that, that actually lives their life this way and feels this way. So how do you solve the problem? Do a financial plan. Know that if I achieve these, if I do these things, just like, you know, eating right, exercising, et cetera, if I do these things disciplined and the way I'm supposed to, I've done the plan to know that I'm going to be okay down the line so I don't have to feel guilty about spending this money. And I don't care what I spend it on. I can spend it on whatever I want. It doesn't have to be logical and prudent and pragmatic and can be stupid because I'm doing the right things first. I'm paying myself first. And then the rest can go to whatever I want it to go to. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's a decent chunk of the population out there that lives their life that way. And, and we can add a lot of uh, comfort to them as well, even though you would think, well, what do they need help for from an investment advisor? They're, they're doing all the right things. They're already saving a, a, a ton of money. Well, we're going to give them perspective. And we're going to give them the knowledge to know that they don't have to live their life, again, seems silly, in fear. They don't have to live their life buying everything prudent and pragmatic all the time. You're allowed to enjoy a little bit. So, you know, you need to do a plan. Whether, whether you're a saver or a spender, you still need to do the plan. And you need to get on the same page as your partner because your idea of spending is one thing when you're both are working. But when you guys are retired, you have to have an idea of what the other person, what, what they plan on, on spending with. You have to be on the same page. It happens all the time and it can, it can build a lot of resentment. You know, I, I can't tell you how often I hear, you know, that my husband spends, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars every month on golf and or, or on X and, you know, then gets mad at me when I spend the money on this. If you have the proper plan and both parties know that they're doing everything they're supposed to do in their accumulation years and then that we have predicted and planned for X expenditures in your retirement years, then we're good. You don't have to feel resentment. Um, you know, you, had, you have enough money to do all those things. So don't get mad at her. Don't get mad at him. We already did all this planning. We've already had this conversation 30 times by the time you actually retire. This is nothing unforeseen or unpredictable. We knew it was coming. I think it's the unforeseen and unpredictable that either scares us or pisses us off, quite frankly. So 
We need to plan for it. Do you find that your clients change, though? They're fine when they're working. They think that they're going to be one way, and then all of a sudden they're in retirement, and some you know, male, female turn into misers. Uh, yeah. I, I would say the first year in particular of retirement, one of two things is going to happen. You're the, usually, you're going to spend more money than you will for the rest of your retirement because you're going to do all the things that you've been planning on doing the entire time you've been working, take that trip to Italy or whatever it is. Uh, maybe not right now, but in general. And then the flip side is, I know I did the proper planning, but I'm still absolutely terrified. I'm going to just hunker down and not spend a nickel. And, you know, that just comes through proper education. It comes through multiple conversations in my office. It comes through looking over, you know, historical calculations and also what we call stress testing. If you look at every pilot on the planet, they go to a simulator, and that simulator to kind of keep up their, their licensure is, what would you do if X, and they can fog the cabin and knock a wing off and do all sorts of crazy stuff to, to stress test or plan for worst case scenarios. Well, in our office, we have the ability to say, okay, I know that you're terrified of X. What is that X? Explain it to me. Well, what if interest rates go up? Or what if, what if, what if, what if? We have the ability to just plug that into our system and say, well, let's do it. Let's fog the cabin. Let's knock off the engine. Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's drop the oxygen mask. Let's see what you're so scared about and what impact it would actually have on you. And once we've covered all those things, you can start to see people come down a little bit in that fear. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session or take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge where Josh will give you a second opinion on your portfolio and also give you a $25 gift card to support our local community, give Josh a call 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. It's spelled A-P-T-U-S Wealth. Com. I'm Diane Brennan, and this is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. When we come back, RMDs. Create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614 364 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614 364 7300. 300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, what is the most important thing we need to know about required minimum distributions? Well, number one, you better take them. That's, that's step number one. <laughs> or you're in a uh, lot and, of trouble. Or, well, I don't know that you're in a lot of trouble, but the penalty is pretty significant. So you're not going to go to jail or anything like that, but the penalty is 50%. Yeah, so, so I think losing money is worse than going to jail. So that's why I say you're in a lot of trouble. Jail might yeah, be easier to handle. I can't speak to that because I've been very fortunate that I've never gone to jail, and I'd like to keep it that way. Uh, but <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I have. Losing... No, I'm kidding. Oh, good Lord. Um so I think it's it's important that you take it, number one. Um, a 50% penalty is, is pretty darn hefty in, in any category. But if you think about, you know, let's say you have a half million dollar portfolio and your minimum required distribution is 20 grand, to be penalized 10 grand on 20 grand, that, that's a big pain. And, and the unfortunate part about that is typically where people get the money to pay for the penalty is in the exact same place that they forgot to take the money to begin with. So now we're getting taxed on, we're getting taxed on the money that we're paying for taxes. 
So you get caught in this vicious cycle. So number one, just make sure you take the, the, the minimum required distribution. Number two, minimum required distributions can be a bad thing. It's certainly a first world problem, right? I mean, we're minimum required distributions, for those of you who don't know, is the time in your life, now it used to be 70 and a half, now it's 72, where the IRS is going to force you to take money out of your deferred uh, retirement savings. And by that, I mean anything other than a Roth IRA. So 401k, 403b, IRA, et cetera. All of those accounts, you put money in pre-tax, that money has been growing tax deferred, and every dollar you pull out of it goes into your taxable income category. And it's important that I say it that way. It does not mean that it's taxable. It means that it goes back into your taxable income. So your other sources of income and your level of income in general is going to determine how much of that is taxed and at what rate. So for example, if minimum required distributions were your only income source and you took out 10, you had to take out $10,000, the standard deduction for a single person is $12,000. If you have a way of living on $10,000 a year, you would pay no income taxes whatsoever on that $10,000 minimum required distribution. However, if your minimum required distribution is $100,000, then obviously you're going to have to pay taxes on it. So it can be a bad thing, though. And there's numerous ways that can be a bad thing, uh, but let's just cover a couple of them. And in general, why it can be a bad thing is it can cause other income to be taxable that otherwise wouldn't be taxable, like Social Security. And it can also cause you to jump a tax bracket. So let's say that you're currently in the 12% tax bracket, you're living just fine, you don't want this minimum required distribution, but by taking the minimum required distribution, not only do you have to pay taxes on some of your social security now, but you leapfrog out of that category into another tax bracket, paying more taxes on both the social security and on your minimum required distribution. So it's important to note that you need to plan for minimum required distributions. There are ways that you can minimize their impact in the long run by doing things like Roth conversions or taking money out of your IRAs early, maybe not even for Roth conversions, to stay in a lower tax bracket, knowing through forecasting that if I don't do it now, when I do it later, my minimum required distribution is going to be in a higher tax category. Let me give an example. Let's say that you're going to, if you take out $20,000 this year out of your uh, IRA, you're only going to pay 12% taxes on it. But if you hold off on that, 2000 of that's going to end up being the 22% bracket down the line because you're going to be forced to take more out of minimum required distributions. So I guess the takeaways here on what are they? It's the government forcing you to take some money out. You've been kicking the can on taxes for a really long time. And quite frankly, the IRS wants their money. So send us our money. We're going to force you to take some of it. Number two, if you don't take it, the penalty is going to hurt. And uh, the dog ate my homework is not going to be a legitimate expense. You have to take it. Number three, plan for it. Make sure you have done some math and some planning to find out what the impact of these are going to be and what are my options. Because if you don't plan for it and you don't mitigate it now, by the time you take it, you don't have a lot of options other than if I donate all of it to charity, then I don't have to pay taxes on it but I don't have it either. And one planning structure there would be, I know I have to take it. I always give $5,000 to my church or to X charity. Well, use your minimum required distribution to send that money directly to the charity and you don't have to pay taxes on that portion. Whereas before, or at least now, if you make that charitable contribution out of your other income sources and try and write it off on your taxes, it's not really an option for you anymore. So it is a way to get a dollar for dollar deduction on your charitable contributions. But 
all this should be done as early as possible in planning. And the best time to do that planning on what to do to mitigate RMDs is from the day you retire until age 72. One happy thought, though, as we say all of this, this year you've been given reprieve. COVID-19, government came out, said, if you've been affected by, essentially, if you've been affected by COVID, which for all intents and purposes we all are, then you do not have to take a minimum required distribution if you do not want to in 2020. So there is some good that came out of COVID. You can do some. Now, does that mean great? I don't do anything. No, it means you just got an extra year where you could do a Roth conversion. Or you got an extra year where you have some extra planning ability that you didn't have before. So get in our office. Let's sit down. Let's do the planning and make sure that you're taking advantage of everything you possibly can to lower taxes as it relates to you in the long run. We invite you to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. Schedule a 15-minute call with Josh to get a second opinion on your portfolio. You'll get a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number to call is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. And this is really effective with portfolios of $250,000 and up. There's a limit of one per household. Josh, what is a Monte Carlo simulation? And is this something we should be using in our retirement planning? Yeah, so Monte Carlo simulation is, um, we were talking earlier about how, you know, when pilots go back through and they're trying to keep up their license, they have to go through a simulator. And that simulator is going to stress test them in a myriad of different scenarios. And how in our office we stress test for things like, what if taxes change? What if interest rates go up, et cetera? Well, Monte Carlo simulation does not take into account things like taxes, interest rates, et cetera. But what it does take into account is all the possibilities that it could occur with a portfolio. So essentially, it runs it through the, the mill of what if, what if, what if, what if, looking through history and saying this is what happened in this scenario, et cetera. It's basically giving you the range of possibilities that could occur. And I'm oversimplifying this, but the range of possibilities that could occur in your portfolio. So I have a 60-40 bond or stock bond portfolio. What could possibly happen if I take out 4% per year over the remainder of my life? And it puts them all in this giant scatter graph chart and says, here's your possibilities. And that's how essentially, uh, and I kind of joke and call it the Academy of Smart People, but that's how all of the powers that be and all of the researchers come with their, to their conclusions of this is how much you can take out of your portfolio for the remainder of your life and not run out of money. So let me give you the common thought process behind uh, the withdrawal provision of Monte Carlo simulation. In general, the theory is this. If you have a 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio, and you have a 25-year retirement ahead of you, so you retire at 65 and you want to make sure you don't run out of money by 90, and you invest it just like I said, you can take out 4% of what you started with and not run out of money adjusting for inflation. That's the general rule of the general thought process. Now, there's been some uh, debate over is that uh, not a reasonable expectation now with interest rates being where they are and forecasted bond rates. And I would tend to agree that that might be a lofty anticipated return or anticipated glide path. But how can we solve that problem? And the way we, because this is essentially what we're assuming, that the only investments on the planet are bonds and stocks, and bonds are going to do X and stocks are going to do X, and we have to take into account a certain amount of volatility. And the volatility is what absolutely decimates a retirement income plan. It's not the rate of return, it's the volatility. And why they have to scatter graph this thing and come up with all these variables is what if 
although I earn a 7% average annual rate of return over the next 10 years, 20 years, 25 years, what if the first five years of my retirement are all negative? That could absolutely decimate my retirement portfolio. If they're positive, then it could absolutely increase my chances exponentially to making it to 90 years old. So you have to essentially, the Monte Carlo simulation, in my opinion, does very clearly is tells us that we have to have a plan to limit volatility because the whole concept of Monte Carlo simulation is what impact will volatility have on our portfolio as we start drawing income off of it. And there are several companies that have put out some great pieces on what could some possible scenarios be uh, with the sequence of returns and how bad of an impact could that have on your retirement income, which is, again, effectively what Monte Carlo simulation is doing. But let's illustrate that in a very clear and concise manner. I think BlackRock has a great one, which is the largest money manager in the world, and it shows three separate people all earning 7% average annual rates of return over 25 years, but in different orders. Same five returns, different orders. And client number one, you know, has more money than they started with. Client number two went broke and client number three somewhere in the middle. And again, this is just a very clear and concise way to illustrate that you need to have a plan that is going to limit volatility in some capacity, particularly in the assets that you're going to withdraw, or you do not have a predictable income path or a predictable retirement plan. What you have is a hope. And I like hope. Hopes are great but I don't want to base the next 25 years of my unemployed life because let's just face it, retirement is I'm now going to go to the land of unemployed. I just have built up enough money that I'm hoping it lasts for the rest of my life. So you want to make sure that you've planned for volatility or you're back to I'm unemployed with a hope that I don't run out of money, not I'm retired with a plan that's going to ensure I don't run out of money. So Monte Carlo simulation illustrates all of the things that you need to (laughs) It illustrates all of the challenges that you need to conquer when you retire. Great show, Josh. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this week's edition of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To learn strategies to manage risk in this new economy and to schedule your complimentary customized planning session, or if you'd like to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. And the Aptus Blueprint Challenge, you schedule a 15-minute call with Josh to get a second opinion on how your portfolio is doing. When you do, Josh will give you a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number to call is 614-364-7300. Again, it's 614-364-7300. The website, if you'd like to do it that way, is aptuswealth.com. It's spelled A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. And this challenge is really effective with portfolios of $250,000 and up, and it is a limit of one per household. Thank you so much again for joining us. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S-Wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.
Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company.